how to discern donor motivation. Hi, this is Bill Stanjakevich, and this is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Dr. Aaron Conley. Aaron runs a national fundraising consulting firm. He's a nationally recognized author on various topics associated with fundraising, and we so appreciate his service as a member of the faculty for the fundraising school. And Aaron, great to have you with us on this podcast. Thanks, Bill. Honored to be here. Now, fundraising, as we teach at the fundraising school, is the gentle art of teaching the joy of giving. And the art is discerning that particular donor's motivation for why that donor might want to donate to our nonprofit organization. You have some very interesting views on how we can discern donor motivation. Help us understand those, please. So I'm glad to. Um, and I always feel that the, the art of fundraising is being more and more informed by the science. So it's becoming more of an art and science. But for so long, you know, this, this just wasn't an area of serious academic study. But over the last 30 years, it's really grown to become that. And so having a, an academic background myself, I sort of approach talking about donor motivation from this academic perspective. So the academic literature um, that's been done, and again, the last 30 years really focuses on um, two extremes. So imagine a spectrum, or I like to use a globe. So there's a North Pole and a South Pole. So on one pole, we've got altruism, which Professor Dwight Burlingame there at Indiana University defines as an unselfish action for the welfare of others. So that's one extreme of donor motivation. The other pole on this globe is egoism or mm -hmm. self-interest, where a gift is entirely driven by what I'm getting um, as, as a donor out of it with less regard for the recipient or the organization. Now we know from the research that most donor motivation falls somewhere in the middle ground, and that's what we call mutual benefit. And so our job as fundraisers, and this is the mistake that a lot of us make is, you know, we're so focused on making the ask or getting to a solicitation. We can get to that point of donor readiness a lot faster if we can recognize what's driving this person's motives. Is it, is it leaning more towards altruism? Or is there something that they're interested in getting out of it? And in this middle ground, this mutual benefit, there are things called extra, sorry, extrinsic benefits mm -hmm. and intrinsic benefits. So the extrinsic benefits, these are tangible types of things, things we can see and touch like, you know, um, donors may be um, placed into a certain donor recognition society. And so visibility might be important to them. Um, being listed on a don donor honor roll, being invited to special you know, events because you're a donor at a certain level. Those are the extrinsic kind of things that might drive people. The intrinsic ones are the really emotional ones, things where people may feel that you know, they have a greater sense of self-worth self -worth because of their gift or what's called the warm glow effect. People give just because it makes them feel good. Whatever these are, it's our job as part of the cultivation process to try and identify these. And if we can do that, then we can create a much more effective strategy, again, towards thinking about what does this person care about and how does that fit within our organization and specific needs that we have that we might present to this potential donor for them to consider supporting. And so when we think about the donor and their particular motivation, certainly we can look at information. We can do our homework. We need to plan to be able to fundraise successfully. But what you're talking about here is very intangible. So how do I discern where this particular donor is, whether it's altruism or egoism or somewhere in between with mutual benefit? How do I need to find that out? How can I find that out about each particular donor? So as we teach in the fundraising school, major gifts, raising, especially raising major gifts is a process and it starts with identifying and qualifying that individual, determining if they do have the capacity for a gift and also the interest. And so, you know, there's so much 
public information out there. It's amazing compared to when I started you know, doing this in my career. There's so much information out there that can help give us some initial insight, but nothing beats meeting face-to-face -face and talking to people and just getting to know what they care about. And if they're an existing donor to our organization, maybe they've been an annual donor for the past five years in a row or 10 years in a row, that's an indication that they're interested in supporting us. But we need to dig deeper and try and find out more. And so those face-to-face -face meetings are so critical. And in, in my consultancy, I really emphasize preparation, just putting so much time into preparing for that meeting. And I like to use a metaphor, um, uh, imagine a blank puzzle with puzzle pieces and start filling in things that you already know about that person. So you know maybe their, their career background, maybe you know how many children they have, where they went to school, just things that you know. There's always gonna be a puzzle piece that's blank where you need to figure out some sort of important piece of information that will give you insights onto moving that relationship forward and prepare before every meeting. Think of that blank puzzle piece and prepare three open-ended questions that you might ask that might get them to reveal some you know, things that would tell you what they care about, what their values are, what they're thinking. And I've had clients come back and say, they, they use this now, they do this before every meeting. They, they think of the blank puzzle, fill in what they know, and what's the most important thing we need to figure out to keep moving this, this relationship forward. And maybe start with some easier questions. The borders of the puzzle, right, are the easiest. Uh, when we put a puzzle together, could be you're escalating your questions to deeper levels of exploration. Aaron, what advice do you give to fundraisers? Because, you know, it's so important that we have a compelling strategic plan and then a detailed operations plan that describes the programs and services on how we're carrying out that strategy. And of course, we want to evaluate, so we're measuring for our impact and our outcomes. And all of that is tied into our fundraising case for support, which is the number one tool that we have to set us apart from every other nonprofit that's out there fundraising. And, and I would think it would be easier for fundraisers to be tempted to just kind of back up the dump truck and share all that information with the donor. How do we discipline ourselves to make sure we're first asking those open-ended questions and putting that puzzle together before we're talking about our own organization and our own fundraising interests? So managing that portfolio of prospects is really one of the most challenging things for, for a fundraiser, especially somebody who's new. Uh, in this line of work. And so another tool that I like to use is, is something we call a, a donor management matrix. And we, and we use this as part of the fundraising school as well. You know, imagine you've got um, uh, a matrix and along one axis is capacity and on the other is interest or affiliation, inclination maybe. And so imagine you've got maybe three rows of each. And so it's nine boxes. At the highest end, you've got somebody with high capacity, and high inclination. It's somebody who is, has been a donor and or has high capacity, but also really cares about your organization. You know this from the time that you've interacted with them and research that you've done. You should always be focusing your time on those top, we give it sort of 1A, imagine a 1, 2, 3, and then ABC. Always be focusing on those 1As, but then also look at those ones that are in the 2A and the 3A where they're on high capacity, but they don't, you don't necessarily know exactly what they care about yet. And use that to, to stay grounded and focused, to discipline the use of your time, to move those people further up into that 1A box so that you're populating people there. And don't get you know, caught up in working with all those donors who, and this is hard to say, but those donors who you know, just love your organization and they'll always meet with you, they love spending time with you, but they're just not major gift donors. They just don't have the capacity. You know, you as a major gift fundraiser 
have to be disciplined to focus your time and the time of your, your, your organization's leadership as well on those people at the high end of capacity. And of course, that comes through relationship building over time. We have to discipline ourselves to use our time properly, depending on how much we have within our organization and how many people are available to directly fundraise. And of course, ongoing stewardship after a gift is made and how we're staying in touch with donors in ways that don't always ask them for that next gift, but it's continuing to form that relationship uh, so that we can gain a deeper understanding about them and their motivations. Aaron, as we conclude here, uh, how has this played out during the pandemic? And of course, as we all hope, the pandemic dissipates. Uh, and we think about donor motivation. It would seem very intuitive that a lot of donors turn their attention to the immediate relief uh, of the pandemic. And of course, we also have the wonderful ongoing, very important discussions around racial and social justice and reconciliation uh, that is also predominant right now throughout the philanthropic sector and our culture. Um, as the pandemic dissipates, what do we need to think about in terms of donor motivation? Is there a tipping point when the giving for those immediate needs tends to diminish uh, and donors are ready to kind of go back to a, a, new, a new normal or a normal based on what their motivations were before the pandemic? Yeah, that's a fascinating topic and one that I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out with the research that's going to be done moving forward on how has this impacted charitable giving. So one of the key things I think, and you alluded to it, is for a lot of donors, you know, their, their, their um, primary um, motives for giving to certain organizations may have shifted. Um, and so one organization I work with extensively um, here in Dallas is the North Texas Food Bank. And they, you know, like a lot of food, um, food banks and food pantries have been the beneficiaries of really unprecedented support because people have responded to this, you know, this, this unprecedented need for, for food. I mean, people are hungry who have never had to address this before. So say that there, these people have also been donors to other organizations, because we know, for example, from the U.S. Trust study on high net worth individuals, high net worth individuals give to an average of seven organizations. So say that, you know, if I work for a university or a hospital, if people have, have been giving to more of those immediate need things like the food bank or um, homelessness or things like that, what's, what do I need to do to make sure that we don't, that, that we get these people back? as things get back to normal. And so a lot of things come into play here, you know, your communications vehicles, how are you talking to people about what your organization's been able to do during the, during the pandemic? If we can get back safely to a point where we do events, um, how are you going to structure those? How are you going to engage people, you know, who maybe you've lost, or if you were with an organization like a food bank who's gained all sorts of new donors, what are you gonna to do to try and retain them? So it's, you know, this is a fascinating challenge fascinating topic that could probably be the subject of another one of these podcasts moving forward as more research, you know, is going to be uh, done in the years ahead on how this whole um, episode has impacted how people think. About and, use an, and use an individual fundraiser are going to be able to do that as you listen carefully, observe carefully, uh, understand your donors' motivations will help you see when they're ready to kind of turn away from that pandemic-specific giving back to their normal or kind of new normal approach to the nonprofits that they want to support. Dr. Aaron Conley, a cherished member of our faculty at the fundraising school. And as he mentioned, this topic of donor motivation uh, is really embedded into all of our courses, including that major gifts course that he mentioned, as well as the art of fundraising, where we look at these things like empathy and emotional intelligence and how we try to discern these donor motivations. That course, the art of fundraising, is part of our certificate in fundraising leadership that we offer in addition to our certificate in fundraising 
management. Our public courses are available in person and online. When they're online, some of them are recorded, some of them are live, some of them are both. Uh, we also have custom training that we can bring straight to your nonprofit, your association, your region across the world. Uh, we have these free podcasts, quarterly webinars, and you can access our courses with a crisis response scholarship that will reduce the cost of registration by 50%. All of this information is available online at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. With Dr. Aaron Conley, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Thank you.